Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Robots Radio presents... Listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon master. We're live. Well, you know what they say about hope, right? No. What do they say? Put out both hands, fill hope with that one, share with the other, and see which one fills up quicker. <laughs> You're awful. <laughs> All I'm saying is, I'm gonna have a shitty hand. Before oh. you get your shit together, which is what you were hoping for before we went live. Come on now. That's not true. Come on. Come on. I am so very tired. So the weather, the weather outside has been quite frightful. Uh, yeah, we've got. I want to say you just... live in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Where do you live? Illinois. I was going to say like Illinois. Sounds... One of those. One of those. I states that are sprinkled around the center of the United States sprinkled around. Yeah. It's uh, just sprinkled. It's pretty cold here. And there's a lot of snow on the ground. That's, and that's still an understatement. Like but it's, it, um, it's bad, but it's not, um, it doesn't like, it, I mean, Illinois gets usually gets snow, right? It's, it's, it's not like this is unheard of. Unlike no. Texas, where this is like, I don't know, it's, it's seemingly becoming a uh, a uh, yearly thing now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I heard you guys got snow lately. Sexton yeah, with like, the uh, sub. Um, yeah, we uh, it was it was bad last year. I was talking to some folks, and there's some like you know there was some definite uh, like ongoing trauma. As a result of what happened last year, yeah, like I, I, I was grateful that uh, that to my family in our house, like we didn't, we never lost power, but it, yeah, it was. We were one of the lucky ones. We were one of the very lucky ones around here. Losing power is, it's yeah, we're all ready for well, it. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, like that, but yeah, yeah, you, that's the whole thing. You're ready for it. You expect mm-hmm. it. Like we're, it's unexpected down here in Texas. Everybody loses their damn mind. <laughs> yeah everybody to, loses their mind to, along with their power to be fair you lose the power you lose your mind it wasn't just a normal power outage it was a power outage for quite some time yeah like you know several i mean a, a whole day to several days yeah and pa- yeah texas got a point power bill shot through the roof like I can say Illinois, yeah, we're prepared. We're, you know, we're ready for these things. And we are. We have, you know, power guys on standby, like power grids prepared for this. Everything's ready for this because it's to us, it's it's gonna happen. Normal, normal standard operating procedure. Yeah. yeah. In Texas, they're like, ah, snow? Oh no, snow. They're like, snow, 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 <gasps> snow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when uh, I was in San Ann a couple years back, it snowed. So I'm, yeah, and, uh, Tech says here in Minnesota we're covered. Yeah, covered in yeah. snow all the time. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's mm. definitely like I like I legit was like looking up generators like a couple months ago. Like, damn, it's like it's coming up. Like, I wonder. And my wife was like, no, it shouldn't, we shouldn't uh should it's okay. it should, we should be okay. So thankfully we we have been, but, oh. but yeah, school was canceled, obviously. Uh so um uh, my yeah, working from home means I don't have snow days. So. <laughs> I've had snow days for the last two days. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. The plows haven't even been out yet. But uh, yeah, I'm ex- we're gonna we're gonna talk some adventures. This is exciting. I mean, oh. everyone who 
everyone who is a fan of the show, everyone who's listened to at least a half dozen episodes or so can probably guess what your favorite adventure is. But I'm interested to see like what comes in second. What if you had to pick something behind like your number one choice, what would it be? And that's interested. It's not going to be a surprise. I have my top three. I didn't have to go digging. I I have my top three. <laughs> Hands down. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, like my mine was. Mine really was uh, the only thing I had to think about was whether or not. Uh, hey, MindGap gifting uh, subs to our good friend, Mary. Damn it, MindGap. You're so damn amazing. <laughs> I was uh, I was on that show. I was on that program just recently. I totally fan bombed it. <laughs> you did. You did. And I almost didn't even mention the D&D lore cast. Yeah, I, I would have been okay. Oh, we love you too. Two favorite nerds. Um, so but yeah, the only thing I really had to discuss was, or not to, that the, the mull over was, um, was whether or not my, my number three will change as because of recent events. Mm. Yeah, that's so point. that was really just it. Drinking some Mountain Dew Spark, are you? I am. I gotta wake up. I love the weather. Yeah, the weather's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you ready to get started? You want to do this? Let's do this. Uh, all right. Let's do it. Let's go. Ah. Let's do it. Robots Radio presents. You're listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Welcome back to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. I am your host, the Almighty Crit. Joining me is my fellow host, Sergio. Sorry, I had to do. Why are you talking like that? I don't know. Yeah, like <laughs> you had to. I had to. I felt the need, and the need was for accents. <laughs> Interesting. Or so, just one accent. Just the one. Uh, just accent. The one. Yeah, and, uh, one. accent. Yeah, I felt the need. Uh, oh, yeah, we have a show to do. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who um, were expecting a normal intro to yeah. our podcast, uh, this is the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast, where we talk all things Dungeons and, and all things Dragon, and sometimes both at the same time and sometimes dragons in dungeons or dungeons inside of dragons yeah in uh in no uh particular order but it's gonna be a fun, yeah it's gonna be a fun episode i'm excited yeah. i'm very excited very much so uh today we're going to be talking about our favorite adventures thus far our we're not, favorite fifth edition yes. adventures i say we're not talking homebrew we're not talking you know, things we've gone through with little twists and tweaks. No, we are talking about the very adventures that you can go out to your local game shops and pick up. Sergio. Yeah, like you, uh, maybe <laughs> you are looking for. Yes. Yeah. I just thought you looked very yes. deep in concentration there for a moment. <laughs> You've been staring at that book. No, I long. was I was waiting for you to. <laughs> uh, I was staring at I, that's all I do is stare at books. Oh. Um, and I was going to say, uh, yeah, like, you know, perhaps you are coming up on the end of your current campaign, or perhaps you are looking to start a new campaign and you're thinking like, you know, what, what, which one of these, uh, which one of these adventures, which one of these adventure paths, which one of these modules, one of these campaigns, uh, should I get? Depending on you know uh, my interest, depending on my experience level, depending on the interest and the experience level of the people that I'm playing with, you know, um, and it's all well and good to jump on to the DMs Guild, which I will obviously, like as usual, recommend something from the DMs Guild mm. in the middle of the show. Um, but for the most part, like you said, you're going to walk into your local gaming store, you're going to look walk into your local comic uh, and collectible shop, and say like, hey, where are your D and D books? And we're going to help you be the, based on our opinions. Now, this is, like I said, like, you know, uh, different strokes for different folks. 
uh, we're giving you our opinions based on what we enjoy um, from the from the official Wizards of the Coast offerings. So, with that being said, Sergio, do you want to kick us off because uh, you have a different taste than me when it comes to adventure? I have, I have, I have. That's a that's a interesting way to put it. I have better tastes than you. Uh, wow! <laughs> wow! Um, well, let's um, because it's let's uh, let's do it this way. We instead of um, like going down the list because you know obviously um, there's going to probably be some overlap mm-hmm. in our lists, and so uh, we'll uh, we'll be able to discuss it as um, as uh, you know. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to give, you know, my number two and then you talk about it. Be like, oh, well, that was my number three. So, <laughs> uh, so I don't have anything else to say about it. So I'm going to just go, I'm going to run down my list really quick. My third favorite uh, D&D fifth edition adventure is the Wild Beyond the Witchlight. And coming in number two is Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. Which again, like I said at the in the pre-show, that is available to uh, those watching on Twitch live, as well as those uh, our patron, our Patreon patrons, uh, anyone who's listened to the to our uh, to our show for more than six weeks probably knows that that is your favorite hands down <laughs> adventure. Like no questions asked. And I, I will really explain I- this episode why that is. Uh, yeah, and even text like I wonder what Chris's number one is, uh, and I mean it's a, it's it's one of those uh, it's one of those adventures that it's it's a favorite for a reason, obviously. But mm. you know, um, like I said, like I didn't want to discuss it, have you discuss it, and then when it comes to your number one, be like, oh well, I already done said everything I wanted to say, <laughs> um, and then my number one is Out of the Abyss. Okay. So what's what's your what's your top three? All right, so we're going to start with my number three. And my number three, we are currently playing through on the Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit for season two, is Wild Beyond the Witch Light. Okay, there we go. So, mm-hmm. bam, let's. We did not, we did not discuss these <laughs> ahead of time. We're, we're going flying and completely mm-hmm. blind with each other. So, uh, so, what do you like about Wild Beyond the Witch Light? Well, hold on. We, we'll get into discussions. I'm going to give mine off and then we can start talking about these. Okay. Things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I got excited. So I, heard, excited. I heard that one. You're I'm excited. like, oh, we agree on something for once. So, <clears throat> number two is none other than my boy in Barovia. The one, the only, the count. <sighs> The count. The um, count. Curse, uh, Curse of Strahd Curse is number of two. Curse of Strahd. Mm-hmm. Curse of Strahd. And, and okay, that's number two. I have feelings and opinions on Curse of Strahd. I do as well, but I typically, Obviously. Uh, I typically kick those uh, kick those to the wayside and do my own thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, my number one is, in fact, Avernus, but it's probably not for the reasons you think. So... I think we should kick this off with right away with Avernus since it's on both of our lists. Well, so is Wild Beyond the Witchlight. And it's it's at number three. Oh well, yeah. You know what? Let's start. Let's start with Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Yeah, because okay. it is number three for both of us. It is number three for uh, both of us. Yeah, so what do you what do you like about it? Okay. So my number one favorite thing with Wild Beyond the Witchlight is it's gotta be the exploration of the Feywild. Right. This right. is one of the first books where we actually get to fully throw ourselves in an immersement of just the Feywild. The creatures, the the way the characters act, the the food, everything is Fey. Yeah, it's it's um it is in an environment that hasn't um been thoroughly explored mm-hmm. in an official canon. It's you know it's it's something that got fleshed out a lot. Um I really enjoyed beyond um, like uh, like the actual like the mechanics of the campaign itself. I I really enjoy the aesthetic of it. You know, this sort of like dark carnival um, meets Dungeons and Dragons sort of vibe that it had. Um, and you know, it's a uh, you know 
very reminiscent of, you know, something wicked this way comes that I got like mm -hmm. big vibes from that. You know, it's like some like Alice in Wonderland vibes as well. And yeah, like you said, it's the Feywild is such an interesting mm -hmm. and intriguing, uh, you know, environment, like, you know, plane of existence. Oh yeah. That, like I said, uh, it's, it's whimsical, but it's also like dark at the same time, which is kind of my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> so that's obviously the number one reason. My second reason, however, is the fact that it is one of the first campaigns to date that was made with the intention that characters or players in this essence can go through it without lifting a single blade. You can go through this entire campaign without a stroke of violence. No, and that's that's exactly one of the reasons that I chose it as well because uh you know it's like D&D is is the combat mechanics, the combat encounters are fantastic, right? Uh and then tech says, but everybody goes murder hobo. And that's, <laughs> and that can be sort of the default in many campaigns, just like kick the door open and just start, you know, hoping you roll 15 to 20 mm -hmm. and, and, and go from there. My thing with that though, is, is that if you've got a good, and, and I can't blame the DMS all the time, but if you have a good DM, most of the time you can get a party away from murder hobo style. Um, you give them a couple things to stab that have nothing to do with the main track campaign, and then they can get back on, you know, task. Is it going to be a hundred percent of the time? I'd say no, you probably got 40% of the players are actually going to try to complete this campaign without trying to kill anything. But I mean, again, it comes down to the DM. Keep your, if you keep your players engaged, I mean, a lot of the times, a lot of people get lost in the role play. No, and that's, you know, that's what makes it intriguing for me is that possibility. I mean, you could argue that because you can do anything or conversely not mm -hmm. do anything in, in Dungeons and Dragons, that any campaign could be solved through, um, you know, within a non-combat manner. Yeah. Uh, however, there are obvious, like, you know, like it's those campaigns, like most campaigns aren't, aren't built for that. They aren't, you know, built with the assumption that, uh, you know, these, these player characters aren't going to fight. And so while it is possible to, um, you know, take down a dragon, you know, uh, you know, in, in tyranny of dragons without lifting up a blade, it's unlikely. I mean, mm. they're like you're you're gonna have to get your hands dirty, so to speak. Oh yeah. But you know, Wild Beyond the Witchlight is is different because it's it's built with that premise in mind. Whereas, like, hey, like you know, like obviously you can go murder hobo if you want. Oh yeah. Uh, or you can, uh, but you can also go the complete opposite and role play out the entire thing. Oh yeah. So. The third reason for me, and it is a big reason, is is the flashiness of it. The the flashiness of the Feywild. And I say this, everybody immediately goes to, oh, it's pretty, it's got bright colors. It's No, it's the flashiness of the fact that, when you hinted at it earlier, the combination between elements of both horror mm -hmm. and happy. You have your happy, cartoon world. Happy horror. Happy horror. You have your cartoon world, but something dark and menacing is always happening in the background. For example, you know, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't played and is going to play. Don't listen to the next 30 seconds to a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but in Beyond the Witch Light, uh, the carnival owners, Mr. Witch and Mr. Light, actually did a deal with the original owners. Because Mr. Witch and Mr. Light actually had different names and actually owned the carnival that we see in Barovia. So there's a huge horror aspect there. You've got people who owned a horror-themed carnival switching over to a happy one. Essentially, the deal was, 
hey, we'll take over. We'll swap each other's carnivals until we meet each other again. And then we'll swap back because they can't figure out who has the better carnival. Right. But Mr. Witch and Mr. White secretly wish that they never meet again. They just want to keep being the owners of, you know, the Witchlight Carnival. But all that being said, the horror aspect of that is still there because you also have the hags and you have everything else that's influencing it from the outside. So it, right, it, exactly that shininess and that 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 newness of it all is what's exciting for me. It's it's a different element altogether. And like I said, that um, I discussed it before we went live. Uh, this was, uh, you know, when I brought up this this topic as when I brought this up as a possible topic for a show. I mean, I knew exactly what your number one would be. Uh, I was kind of interested and I was kind of interested to know what your number two and number three would be. And I knew what my number one and number two would be, but I wasn't sure about my third one because, you know, this, this is a relatively new adventure. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but it's, or several months removed, you know, from it. And I remember my, my first impressions of it were like, Oh man, this is going to be great. This is going to be a lot of fun. And the more I dug into it, the more I read about it, uh, the more I realized like, okay, this, this actually is great. Like my, my impression of it was, you know, was founded in, in, in truth. And so I don't want it to seem that, you know, it's, we're picking it because it's, it's, you know, it's kind of the new kid on the block or one of the new kids on the block, (laughs) but uh, it's just the, the possibilities for the, the ideas behind it are very intriguing. Oh yeah. From both, like, like I said, from both a, you know, game mechanic standpoint and from an aesthetic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we focused a lot on which light. Let's talk about your number two. My number two. Well, my number two. Um, it. My number two. I mean, it's. I don't want to. I mean, I don't want to get too much into it because, like, you're going to go nuts over it. I mean, yeah. You know, <laughs> Yeah, well, my number two. You know what? Let's just dedicate this section of the show to going nuts over Avernus. <laughs> so Baldur's Gate descent to Avernus. Mm-hmm. It's um it's bonkers. It's madcap. It's um I saw someone describe it as uh Mad Max meets Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. like hopped up on steroids. <laughs> and I was like, that's a pretty app description i'd say i mean from the you know so you you know you you're the the baldur's gate setting is is you know infamous it's Mm -hmm. you know it's um not only is it you know um one of the major cities in what is now D's official campaign setting of the forgotten realms of Faerun, uh but it also has several video games Oh yeah, you know to it to its name. So it's it's well known. Like even before I started playing D and D, like I knew about the video games. I just had no idea what they were. I was like Baldur's Gate. That's a weird name for a video game. Uh, so it's already like you know that in and of itself, you know, adds sort of like to its reputation. And then you just add in uh, demons and and Hellspawn and and everything else into the mix and you think it might be like a sort of like typical, like, okay. Oh, Baldur's gate. Okay. Like, yeah. Like I'm familiar with, you know, the forgotten realms, you know, like maybe uh Dritz will show up who knows, um, you know, probably some mind flayers. It zigged when I thought it was going to zag. And for me, there's nothing more fun than being surprised when it comes to, and it, uh, to you know reading or playing an adventure yes <laughs> <laughs> all of these things the best part for me however to caveat what you've said about Baldur's Gate was the fact that you did not actually spend a whole lot of time in Baldur's Gate in this game no exactly that's what I'm saying like you're like oh Baldur's Gate okay cool like that's you know that's kind of, that's that's the setting or at least that's the gonna be the main setting and no it's not like, like I said, it zigs when you think it's going to zag. And the, this is, this is what, this is one of the biggest reasons why I liked it. Because when I picked it up, I went, Oh boy, here we go again. Baldur's gate. 
We all right. know a ton of stuff happens in Baldur's Gate. I mean, holy cow. But the thing is, is that it was just a title for an area. Honestly, the adventure has very little to do with Baldur's Gate and more so the adjacent city or what once was the adjacent city. Mm-hmm. You know, um, huge spoiler again here. We're not going to give any of the plot <laughs> away, but I will give some elements away. Um, so the neighboring city to Baldur's Gate, which has completely slipped my mind, um, which I apologize for. Uh, but the neighboring city was basically there was a deal dealt and it got brought down to Avernus. And through the reclamation and prevention of this, a lot of people were basically condemned to hell. The first level of hell. And that's really where the campaign takes you right. entirely. Which, again, I'm, the main reason that these two books, Wild Beyond the Witchlight and Descent to Avernus, were some of my favorites, was because we explored a world that we have not been to before, or we haven't spent a whole lot of time in. Because usually when we take adventures to any of the nine planes of hell, it's for a brief moment. You're only there for a moment, and then you leave. Because that's as long as mortals can usually stand to be there. In this campaign, it presses you to stay. You have so many things to do. You have Mad Max style car battles. You have taking down different, you know, demon lords and devil lords. You have all of these crazy things within this one campaign. No, and that's, you know, it's a, like, I think you perfectly captured when you said, like, whenever we, you, we do dip into these nine levels of hell that, you know, is um, a huge part of D&D lore, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a quick sojourn. It's a, it's a, it's a quick trip and, you know, we don't spend too much time there where, as opposed to this campaign where there's a lot of time to be spent, which is, you know, like, for me, like, like you said, like it's one of those instances that you get to explore and role play in an environment that you normally don't get a chance to. And I'll, I'll always take that opportunity over, I mean, and like, and no offense, but I'll take it over, you know, a, a Baldur's Gate or yeah. a Waterdeep or a Sharn any day. Like you throw me into something that either I ha- I don't have a whole lot of experience, you know, playing in, mm-hmm. like I have the experience of, of the lore. Like I know about it, but I don't have the experience of actually playing in it. Uh, I'll take that any day. Oh yeah. And another thing that I love about it was, is it basically it was the first introduction of vehicular combat and vehicle usage. And we're not talking like chariots and carriages and, you know, typical blase things. (laughs) We're talking about battle cars. We're talking about Mad Max style vehicles. I mean, these things are suited and booted with spikes and claws and grappling harpoons and cannons like these things are made for battle. Holy cow. When these got introduced, people lost their minds and went, oh, my God, we can have Mad Max style battles, you know, and that's truly what the campaign's majority about. Just go Mad Max. Go crazy. You are in a desert waste, essentially. Um, Just kill right, each other. Right. <laughs> and and or, yeah, try to try. Try your yeah, damnedest. Yeah. And the fuel sources in this game, you know, everybody's like, well, what would operate off of mortal souls? nutshell that's what the vehicles operate off of mortal souls you know you're in hell you know in the other aspect of it that's what they like yes uh the other aspect that really set this apart (laughs) that's what they like instead of just the vehicles it was also the fact that you never knew who was your ally and who was your enemy because your enemies you you think you'd go into this world of darkness and just just destruction and chaos and horror and you would have no allies but when you get there there are hellish beings that will align with you and will aid you and 
it's crazy because you your characters begin to question their own moralities. Yeah. So it's a uh, yeah, it's and descent into Avernus is um, is a lot like, and I was going to say if, if there's any con to it, it's a lot like you know my number one pick, uh, which is Out of the Abyss. Which you know you're going to need an experienced DM to run mm. this. Oh, yes. you know it's it, <laughs> it might be too much too soon for a novice DM. Mm-hmm. It with that, <laughs> Which, that's a great um, transition point to talk about it. I mean, I've played the Abyss as well, and though it was close to being on my top charts, it's still beat out for me. It's probably my fifth favorite adventure but it's still a good one (laughs) well you know there's no accounting for taste oh but anyway Uh, well before before we uh get into that before uh no i want to talk about it into that before we (laughs) we dive into uh we got to get to the middle of the show uh i don't want to All right, we'll go to the middle of the show. Here we are in the middle of the show where I don't want to be yet because I want to talk about the adventures. But you know what I do want to do, Sergio? What do you want to do? I want to thank our patrons. Do you want to thank our lovely, amazing patrons? You seem so inept and concentrated right now. I absolutely do. <laughs> uh, I want to thank our patrons in no particular. I think we have a slight uh, well, delay. Because I want to make sure that I thank every single one of them. And uh, no particular. I think so. I think my internet's kind of being wonky. That snow. <laughs> but in no particular order, Climbing Zebra, 82, Sergeant Reaper, Daniel P, Wolf the Sheepdog, Jonathan S, Tex Tinstar, Lupus Malum, and Remington Cloutier. Cloutier. Thank you so much for assisting us. Thank you so uh, for um, helping the show financially. You know, all those uh, all those funds go to making the show better um, toward giveaways that we um, either have done or will do. We've already done um, one giveaway where we gave away a special edition hardcover edition of the Haunt Trilogy off of um, DM's Guild. I think Tex was our big winner on that one. He was. Yeah, Tex was a big winner. And then also we've got another one that we've hinted at already where we're going to give away uh, a number of books. And, uh, you know, so for... Uh, for pennies on the dollar, you could uh, enter what will probably end up being a raffle to win all these books. And then all the proceeds of that will go toward uh, a charity, toward a charity that um, uh, more than likely uses D&D to, um, to help kids. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, D&D is such an amazing tool to build social skills to build teamwork skills, to build problem-solving skills. Mm-hmm. It truly is. I mean, we... I don't, I won't get into that. I won't get into that. <laughs> it's just a really great game all around, and it really does help people. Um, and we wanted to give to charity for this one because, honestly, I number one, we want to give back. Uh, that's the first and foremost. Number two... By doing this, our entire community gets to be involved with outreach and spreading the love of D&D and spreading just joy and, you know, and spreading this incredible message to all, you know, everybody's welcome. We want you to hear. We want you to part of this and welcome to our family. You know, it's, you know, it changes. It truly does change lives. And we want to be a part of that. And we want you guys to be a part of it. So 
we'll announce those details for the giveaway soon. Um, we just got to work out some little things here and there and work out the logistics. Yeah. We got to figure out how we're going to do the raffle the, and the nuts sure, and bolts, make sure we get everybody accounted for. And so we'll, we'll figure all that out. Um, but when we do, we'll let everybody know. And we're pretty stoked for it. Uh, as for <laughs> other news, uh, I almost have designs done for our patrons, um, for all of the shirts that we're going to start putting on a Patreon to send out. Um, but the patron shirts are on their way um, because of everything that's been going on. We've had delays and it's been chaos. But I did get a notification a couple days ago that the T-shirts are on their way and they will be shipped out to you ASAP. Yeah, then like we said uh, last week, moving forward, we're just going to let uh, Patreon handle all that. <laughs> we're thinking like, oh, we'll you know we'll do it ourselves, and you know that way we'll know you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But it's just much easier to um, to to let um, to let a big company <laughs> as opposed to two bozos take care of that. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I don't have any new minis to talk about. Oh, no dang old minis. That's a lie. That's a lie. You are a liar. I, I knew you were a liar. liar. Uh, we got a mini sent into us. Let me see if I can find it on our Discord. Oh, that's right. We did. Uh, let me see if I can find him again. We've we've had so many people chatting in the Discord. I think it might be pretty hard. If you well, want to go ahead, with yeah. While your, you, yeah. While you look for that, I'm going to um, I'm going to discuss my DMs Guild corner uh, corner pick of the week. You know, in keeping, you know, we're we're talking about a uh, official uh, um, official adventures this time around, um, because you know we we give a lot of love to the homebrew stuff, but you know, um, unless you're like knee deep into D and D, more than likely, like the official stuff is what you're going to get. But if you've gone through most, if not all, the adventures that you know they have officially put out you can definitely jump on to dm's guild and find any number of cool adventures and the one see i had it pulled up and then i just lost it because that's how that works that's how it works when you're uh when you're live having a good time tonight are we it's i i I blame the weather first and foremost yeah it's it's been rough. We've—I don't know how everybody else is, but we've we, here we've gotten a lot of snow. All my kids have been home. I don't want them home. <laughs> I, I go to school. It's been rough. So everyone, we are terribly sorry if this episode seems kind of weird. Uh, we're having some technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, I definitely had it pulled up, and I have no idea where it ran off to. Dun dun dun. Well, you know what? I will have to do because uh, ah no, I found it. Ah, there you go. it was Coffee the Husky sent it in. Uh, let me see if I can pull this guy up to a big size so I can show everyone. Um, let's see. We can do this. We're gonna add in. We're going to do this. We are having all kinds of difficulties tonight, aren't we? <laughs> all the difficulties. Uh, oh, my goodness. Here we go. We're going to bring it up on the screen for everyone to see. There we go. There we go. So uh, we got this sent into us on our Discord. And this is minis that were 3D printed um, by Coffee the Husky. And they are kobold minis. And one of them is extremely big. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And these were made on Hero Forge. Um, One of them is big, is as big as a, I mean, it's as big as a regular sized bowl. I mean, this thing is massive. Um, and then it has a mini, mini version of it um, that is the size of this thing's foot. So, <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize the the proportions of them until like he put them to scale. 
Yeah, it was. And I was like, oh, that's not really like a mini. That's like almost a full blown like action figure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that must have taken a lot of. Uh, it must have taken a lot of spools to do that one. Um, but no, it, it was it was incredibly impressive. Um, if you want to check that out, you can check it out. Images of it on our discord. Um, and I'm sure coffee would love to send you pictures of uh, all their minis. I mean, holy cow. These things are I want a giant mini now. <laughs> I mean, I've I've got to get my hands on a on a 3D printer. Uh, right? Yes. The I will say getting a 3D printer is really cost effective if you are really wanting to get into your mini collection. Um but don't get too excited because the ones that print like Hero Forge and all the pretty colors super expensive. I should know. I looked into it. <laughs> But there's my mini. Did you find your stuff? I uh, I did. So, and much like last week where I, uh, you know, I like to recommend stuff that's, you know, relatively cost effective, you know, like 15 bucks or less. You know, last week I, um, in keeping with the Monsters of the Multiverse discussion that we're having, I recommended the Monster Manual Expanded. Uh, this, and that's, that was a little pricier than I usually go for. Mm -hmm. Uh, this one as well is a little pricier. This is actually going to run you $39.95. However, it has a five-star rating with 60 ratings on it, which like, I mean, if you like the DMs guild is very popular, mm -hmm. but to have that many ratings and on top of that, that many five-star ratings is kind of rare. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So this one is called call from the deep and it's got everything that I, um, that I'm a fan of. It's got uh, horror. It's got pirates. It's got mind flayers. Mind flayers! <laughs> so call from the deep, assault from the astral. After crash landing onto the material plane, a strange otherworldly ship brings with it an unexpected wave of piracy, hideous creatures from the bottom of the trackless sea, and a, and a notorious foe who has been awakened from the deep, intent on destroying the world as you know it. So... You're sailing along the Sword Coast in this campaign. Also, while also trying to figure out, you know, what is going on with, you know, this, you know, this new otherworldly threat. Mm -hmm. And this is a, this, this will run you from first to 12th level. So this will take you quite a bit of time to play. So, you know, $40 for what could be, I mean, if you're playing once a week, It'll probably take you close to a year to finish up going from a going from first to set twelfth level, mm -hmm. and so for 40, 40 bucks for a year's worth of you know D and D, not that it's pretty good actually. Now I was gonna say not that bad. It's actually a very good deal. I mean, it depends on if your but, party speed runs, <laughs> but it also looks great. It looks, I mean, like an official D and D book. You know the the artwork looks amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's the way it's formatted is, you know, something out of, you know, it's something that you, you think Wizards of the Coast would put out. Uh, but yeah, it's put out by uh, JVC Perry, who you can find on, you know, on Twitter under that handle, Facebook. Uh, he's on there on Twitch as well, twitch.tv, JVC Perry. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, 60 five star reviews can't be wrong. Or can they? Dun, I don't dun, think so. Dun. No, they're not. No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, all that being said, let's get back into our topic of the day. <laughs> there it is. There it is. The scream. That's always the scream for me. It's always a scream <laughs> for you. All right, so we discussed Ascent to Avernus, yep. which was my number two pick, your number one pick. Mm -hmm. And uh, so let's discuss. Uh, let's discuss. Have we discussed uh, uh, Out of the Abyss? No, we haven't, right? No, so no, that's why. That's why I kept trying to get you to discuss. 
We got to leave something for the end of the show. Nah. So out of the abyss, uh, much like I said, it, like it's, you know, like much like the Baldur's Gate descent into, into Avernus, mm-hmm. you're going to need a, an experienced DM to run this. You know, uh, somebody DMing for the first time uh, is likely to get overwhelmed by all the moving parts in this mm-hmm. campaign, this adventure, which, um, you know, what makes it so interesting is that there's so much going on that it's uh, that, you know, you always feel like sort of like the pressure of the moment. You know, it almost never lets up. I mean, it starts off uh, you and the rest of your, you know, what would become your party as well as as well as some NPCs are all captured by the drow of the the drow of the of the underdark and you escape and so the first half of the campaign is trying to you know stay one step ahead of the drow as they're hunting you down mm-hmm. and so there's always that sort of like you know that that threat looming behind you plus you're navigating a space that's very cool the underdark it's always you know it's one of those that has been very rarely explored in adventure in official adventures but uh is very well known because of how popular the drow characters are how popular driz uh driz is uh but it's cool but it's also very dangerous and it's oh, yeah. even it's made even more so dangerous because of what's going on in this campaign which is you've got uh uh, these, you know, essentially like demon princes rising uh, from the nine levels of hell to, you know, carve out a uh, a new level of abyss, you know, in the underdark. And so, so you've got the drow chasing you. You've got this sort of like permeating madness that kind of wiggling its way through the underdark that even the drow are like, yeah, this, I mean, Shit's kind of crazy down here, all you know, to begin with, like normally, but it seems even more nuts now. And so that's the first half of the campaign. And so the second half of the campaign, like you, so let's say you you survive, you make it, your character lives, <laughs> and you get to the surface. You get there, and they're like, "Oh no, you guys have to go back and destroy these these demon lords. These you know, you have to go back and save the world, essentially." You have to go back, like in Lost, you know, like you have to go back to the island. Um, and so then you go back to, like I said, to, to you know, the, the first half is very much. Uh, and that's kind of why I like it, because it's it's almost like two different uh, campaigns, like shoved together. Like the first half being this like very um, like intense survival campaign. And the second half is your more traditional, like, let's go kill something huge (laughs) campaign, which I love both those things. And so like to be able to do both of them, you know, in one, you know, in one story, I mean, that's just, that's right up my alley. I love it. (laughs) I want to do it all. I mean, it's, it's, I, uh, I, I, uh, like I, everything about it. I, I'm a fan of, like I said, it's because, but like I said, the only con though is, you know, jumping into it, you know, as, as a relatively new player uh, or a relatively new DM, you know, it's, you're probably going to, uh, you're probably going to either uh, not enjoy it as much because there's so much going on and, and you're, it'll be hard to grab, you know, a hold of, or, uh, you know, you'll just, you'll just die. You'll just die because, yeah. you know, uh, it's very much, uh, like that first that first part of the this campaign setting is very much like your your demon souls of the D world. Yeah. It when I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off of you. Oink oink crit. Oink oink oink. oink. So when you talk about moving parts, I wanna be a little bit more in depth with these. The moving parts are not only do you have you have the drow after you, but you have to as a DM, you have to consistently roll random encounters. You have to keep track of the map because the map is a big, important part of this campaign. If at any point in time they take a turn, you need to know 
where that tunnel is going to lead them. Some of them lead to dead ends. Some of them lead deeper into the Underdark. Some of them even lead closer to the surface. Other ones lead to traps. You know, you have to know where they're at at all times. You have to roll the random encounter. I think it's something crazy like every time they rest, a random encounter is rolled. Every time they move more than so many feet, a random encounter is rolled. Like, it is very, very, very clockwork style play. Like everything they the players do, something is always happening. Um, there's constant. I'm. I know. I ran somebody through it, and right. there was constant climb checks. There was. It is a lot of moving parts, and <laughs> it's not to say that a new DM can't do this. It's to say that a new DM taking on this task is a monumental one. Uh, even for, you know, veteran DMs, like I, even myself, I had to take a lot of time out to take a lot of notes to make sure that I got all the parts moving at the right times the whole time. So, you know, if Let's you, say, yeah, like, yeah, like not to say that it, that it can't be done, mm-hmm. but just know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of legwork. Uh, but it is, it is at the end of the day, it is worth it. It is quite an enjoyable campaign. Uh, I will say. But all that being said, let's dive into the one. Well, what was your number two again? Oh, well, that's what we're going to dive into. Yeah. We're going to journey go. to Barovia. Now, see. Okay. So before before you get into it, and because I'm probably going to agree with everything you say about, <laughs> about this campaign and how great it is. The only reason I didn't pick it was because... It, it it it's it's a it's a revamp, it's a it's a conversion mm-hmm. of a previous campaign. Oh yes. However, however, it's as far as that's 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 the only reason I didn't pick it for my favorite fifth edition, you know, adventure. Um, however, that being said, I uh, revamp. Haha, but I'm. I didn't even catch that lame pun. Texting got it. Uh, that being said, I it is my humble opinion that Curse of Strahd is the best bang for your buck campaign 5th edition has to offer. I'm going to stop you right there because I have a different take on this. That's why I said you are going to think that we are on the same playing field, but we're not. Before, before 5th edition, 3.5 days, I would have said to take this campaign and throw it away. Throw it far away. And this is why. Because it was one of the most confusingly written campaigns I have ever had the misfortune to sit down and read. In 3.5, it was like, flip to this page, flip to this page, flip to this. Stop it. Just stop it. (laughs) I'm so glad they cleaned it up in 5e. And they cleaned up a lot of campaigns in 5e. It's very, very, very much. Here's what you need to know right now. And if you need more information, it's on page whatever. At three point, and they clean up the blocks. And we're not here to talk about formatting, though. What I am going to say, though, is if you're going to buy this book, be prepared to spend at least $60 to $70. Because I need you to also go out and buy Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. If you're going to buy the Ravenloft campaign setting, I need you to buy Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft because if you don't, you're doing not only yourself as a DM an injustice, but you're also doing a grand injustice to your players because there is so much more of Barovia and the Ravenloft setting to explore than what the the original book has to offer. You yeah, need what's to within buy the both. confines of yes. the campaign itself? Yes, and I it was not one of my top three picks. I will not <laughs> text it. I need you to stop telling me what I got to do. Well, no, you got to do it. Uh, originally, before the Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft came out, it was not one of my top three because I felt like, though it had a lot to offer, I felt like from what it was in 3.5, transitioning to 5e though i didn't like the game to run it i did enjoy playing the 3.5 edition it was still fun to play just wasn't fun to run so when they drove out to 5e i felt like a lot of that feeling got pulled away from the fifth edition book you know i felt rushed in certain aspects 
But when they give us the Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, you can slow it down. You've got more information about Barovia and the Ravenloft setting. You've got a lot more information you can plug in and give your party something to look forward to, your players something to look forward to. Um, that that whole set quickly rose to my second choice, my top two, um, because of that. You know, and not to mention it's a horror setting. I mean, it is one of the only ones to nail one of the only D and D books ever to nail that horror setting, that horror feeling. Like it scares the lights out of you <laughs> if you play it with the right DM and the right setting. Like lights down low. The only thing you can read your character sheets with is you know candles. Like. You got horror music playing in the background, an occasional dog howl and a lightning strike. You know, you could really creep out your players. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, like for me, like it's, you know, the best, the most bang for your buck. Like it, um, it is something that a like a new DM could could handle mm-hmm. very easily. Yeah, uh, it's something that. You know, with you when you add in, you know, Van Richten's guide to Ravenloft, uh, a more experienced DM could even could use that to enhance the the book. You know, oh, yeah. uh, and that's you know when it comes to like these supplemental books, they aren't one hundred percent necessary. No, they are they aren't mandatory, but they add that that they can add that little something more to a campaign to an adventure that you know, we'll make it, you know, from like, oh, that was a lot of fun to something you talk about years from now. Something that you tell your children about. Let me let me put it this way. Okay, because Chad is blowing up about this and I have to mention this. Okay. So you play the original Ravenloft campaign. Okay. You play the Curse of Strahd. You play it through. It's scary. It's terrifying. You know, uh, Strahd can show up at any time, you know, yada, yada. Let me add an extra element by adding Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft to this. Sergio, have you ever heard of the Bagman? Of course I've heard of the Bagman. <laughs> the Bagman oh, haunts so, my dreams every night. So for those of you who haven't heard of the Bagman, we're going to give a little brief synopsis. So essentially... You know, and I would highly recommend you going and looking it up and, you know, going a further deeper dive into it. Um, a good friend of ours of the show's Wolf's Lore um, brought it up to me and I'm like, I have to talk about it. I have to talk about it. And a chat's blowing up about it right now. So the Bagman is essentially an adventurer that got into some deep shit with his party and jumped into his bag of holding. Got lost and got twisted over the years of being lost. Can't get out. Uh, that's that's the know, dangers you face when you just shove people <laughs> in bags of holding. We don't talk about it. Ampersand. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, after years, he became twisted and uh, twisted and warped and became this monstrous being. And now, now randomly he will find a bag of holding and crawl out of it and if it's not the right place where he jumped into his bag of holding originally he will pull a victim into the bag with him in the middle of the night and leave only a trinket that is terrifying think about it terrifying your party is totally terrified and horrified by Strahd and they're they they leave somebody up at night right they're they, they don't even feel safe in the end but one of them happens to have a bag of holding and you're like you know what I need them to really just wet themselves so you throw the bag man in. I mean they have they they have this magic item that they think like <laughs> oh this is great we can just throw whatever in here it's fantastic you don't have to worry about encumbrance we don't have to worry about anything yeah. anything like that you have so this the, all you do. Yeah, you, you narrate it easily like this. You just turn around and you say, "So you decide to stay up in the night, and you're hearing creaks and whispers of wind through the shutters, and then from behind you, you hear a creak. Roll a perception. They fail their perception, and then you go. Without warning, you just feel a hand reach around your face, and grip it firmly. 
silencing you as you're drug from behind into a hole of utter darkness. And then the party wakes up in the morning and they just find a simple beret or a spoon or something of just insignificance. <laughs> and they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 terrifying. It's and the the lore behind it, like the legend behind it is really is really what makes it what, yes. it's, it's what sells it for yes. sure. And that that is why, simply put, it is my top, you know, is, is my number two. Because it is horror, it's a new world, and it just adds a new feeling to the D&D campaign because no book has ever been so dedicated to a specific ambiance like this book has, you know. But that's my number two, and that's why. (laughs) Right, so in summation, my top three adventures, number one, Out of the Abyss, Number two, Baldur's Gate, Descent into a Descent into Avernus, and number three, Wild Beyond the Witchlight. And mine are number one, Descent into Avernus. Number two, I almost said Van Richten. I almost said Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. We were talking about so much. Curse of Strahd. Wow, my brain is. It's not been a good day. <laughs> with well, yeah, well, with an asterisk to with an asterisk, like also yeah. coinciding also with yeah. Uh, so I'll say Curse of Strahd's plus Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. And my number three pick is Wild Beyond the Witchlight. So with all that being said... Yeah, it's like it, yeah. I mean, you if you haven't played any of those, you definitely have yes. more than enough reason to try, 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 try those that you haven't played yet. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's fun just playing D&D with your friends, some homebrew, but every once in a while, it's nice to not have to put the work in as a DM. And just let somebody else do the work Absolutely. and enjoy just listening to the story unfold. It it's sometimes it's just yep. it's just nice. But with all that being said, I owe yep. our fans some magic items. And this this week, since Let's I, hear haven't, them. I haven't given any magic items, instead of giving multiple, I'm gonna give one big one. And Ooh, a big one. I'm giving this to you under a condition that I want to hear about it. Uh, you know, either through an email at Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast at gmail.com. I want to hear it on our Twitter. I want to hear stories of its usage through our Discord. I want to hear you use this. Okay. So I've been inspired on multiple fronts. Number one, I've been inspired by our patron, Wolfslore, or sorry, uh, Lupus. I've been inspired by our friend, Wolfslore. I've been inspired by some games that I've seen. I've been inspired all around. And I'm actually going to do this as a Patreon uh, game for our uh, Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit patrons. But I am giving you a magic item that actually has a physical one in the real world. Okay. So all you need to use this item is a simple coin. Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to give the coin to the DM. So this coin. This is this is how it's going to work, ladies and gentlemen. In the game, represents a magical coin. And what this coin does is whoever holds it, whatever they imagine comes true. The whatever world, whatever they imagine, whatever they imagine comes true, okay? Now, the drawback to this isn't in game, but in fact is in real life. Because if any player decides to use this coin, the DM, okay, does not tell them these conditions before allowing them to use it. If they so choose to use this coin, they then take over all responsibilities of DMing that game. What? (laughs) So, this is inspired from a gameplay uh, that basically the the DM randomly switches throughout a game to somebody else and the setting may change. The story ending may change, but it always ends up funny. It always ends up amazing and it always ends up super confusing. So yes, the coin then basically makes their dream a reality or even their nightmare a reality. And they in real world have to take over the DMing responsibilities until somebody else decides to use that coin. Almost like a like a round robin story where exactly. someone 
like starts writing a story and then stops and then someone else comes in and just picks up wherever mm-hmm. they left off. And this magic item has a wonderful name. It fits its very description. Let's hear it. I want to hear it right now. I'm ready for it. You're, it's the coin of the storyteller. The coin of the storyteller. Coin of the storyteller. And like I said, you as the DM, don't tell your players what this thing does. Don't tell them until they decide, I want to use it. Okay, well, now you're the DM. I'm going to get my character sheet ready. You're in charge. <laughs> <laughs> but you all, you, you have to sneak in an NPC in there for you to be able to jump into, obviously, for to transition easily into your character. Um, or, I mean, or you could just take over the character of the new DM. You could. You could. You could also do that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I've been told about this story. I I told about this type of gameplay before, uh, by lupus and by wolf and by a lot of people. And I've seen some people play it and I was like, you know what? I want to do a magical item that would make things interesting. It only works once, but you know, (laughs) yeah. Like after that, everyone kind of knows what the deal is. Yeah. They're gonna be like, (laughs) but yep. So there's your magical item and it's a pretty, uh, pretty big doozy. A little, a little bit of a hot potato. Mm-hmm. So, Sergio, before we go, is there anything you'd like to share with our lovely friends and family and fans of the world? <laughs> well, we we do a pretty terrible job of um, uh, advertising our social media presence. We do. Uh, on the show. So <laughs> uh, you can find us on Twitter, mm-hmm. Lorecast. Uh, you can also email us dndlorecast at gmail.com. Uh, we're uh, on Twitch, live on Twitch, just about every single Thursday at 7 p.m. Central, uh, twitch.tv forward slash almighty crit. Uh, that's it. That's what you know. What we got for the show. Uh, for me personally, I'll, I am also the co-host of another podcast called Fandom University, where we do like deep sort of... Um, scholarly looks into different facets of fandom whether it be uh what we've done recently we did the scream movies uh we're gonna do boba fett next we've also done resident evil we've done aliens we've done uh the eternals and so like whatever you know whatever my uh you know my mind and my co-host mind hyper fixates on at that certain moment is probably what we'll end up doing a show a couple of shows about so so check it out again it's called fandom university thanks for listening to the dungeons and dragons Lorecast. if you've enjoyed the show please consider sharing it with a friend following us on twitter at dnd Lorecast, or jumping on the robots radio discord to chat more with us about dungeons and dragons we'll talk to you next time Listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.